Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, once again to 24's podcast, the best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. We're coming in fast! We're coming in hard! We're here! We're ready! We're back! Pause the music. Hate to do this to Cobain. Hate to do it. I said it, like, midway through yesterday's podcast as I was, like, you know, kind of just dying down because it was super late at night. I will not be here this weekend. Wild Card Weekend. One of my favorite weekends of uh, the year. Won't be here. Uh, I'm going to be somewhere else doing um, something else. I'll be celebrating something with my dad and my family. I know I've taken like a lot of family trips and stuff like that this year. Some of them have been way more serious and important than others. But this is one of those more lighthearted ones where I, you know, I get to see my family once again and I get to, you know, interact with people that I haven't seen in a long time. So, gonna be down there. It's like, my dad texted me about it and he was just like, this is really, really important. I would like for you to be there. And I was like, okay. So, not gonna be here this weekend. I will, I will try to catch all of the games on my vacation, but more likely than not, I probably will not when do they when are they i mean i'll be able to catch like on the tail end some of the saturday games maybe i'll at least know who won but i i won't like actually be able to like watch all of them like back to back to back like i always do on sunday so yeah i'll be gone until monday monday is also the final game the cardinals versus the rams <clears throat> so I'll watch the Manning cast and then I'll get on and then we'll talk about it. Okay. Unpause my music. Before that, we're going to kind of talk about some of the teams that failed miserably this year, as well as some interesting news coming out of Houston today, really yesterday. And some of the, uh, the more disappointed or disappointing teams, I would say in the NFL. Can't wait, ladies and gentlemen. Right here, 24th Podcast. I'd hate to interrupt the song before Kurt Cobain started singing again. I have no idea what he's singing. I have no idea. Like that's that's one of the songs. Tourette's is the song that that it, it was the it was Nirvana's song. Tourette's isn't it like one of the only songs where it's just like the lyrics are just incredible. No, like like the can you believe that the lyrics are? Hold on, let me go back to the start of the song. Okay, this is this is like. This is how ridiculous Kurt Cobain was with just how he how he could absolutely enunciate words where I can't I can't understand them where they literally don't sound anything like the lyrics. The lyrics are Mayday every day my day could have had a heart attack my heart we don't know anything my heart we all want something fair my heart and then he goes to hey hey you know like that's when he does the hey. This is this is how all of that sounded. 
I got the May Day Every Day part, My Day, and it's at the end, but here it says it's at the beginning. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's on Genius. Genius has it wrong. This isn't it, right? Hold on. I have the, I have Genius playing it on Apple Music. Hold on. This could be really, really loud. Okay, I could understand that, but it's, it's just like, I couldn't understand like anything else. Hold on. Jesus Christ. I mean, but the, the, the version of Tourette's that we were listening to were, was and is the, uh, the reading, uh, festival version. So they always like Kurt Cobain always freaking mixes up the lyrics and stuff like that. Sometimes intentionally. Always intentionally. They're his songs. It's just like, he knows how to sing his songs. I'm like, sometimes he intentionally mixes up his song. It's just like, I mean, he always does that. It's not like he unintentionally mixes up the lyrics. Okay. Um, let's get started. What should we get started with? Oh, yeah. So, about a year ago, right? Sitting down, ecstatic as can be, because a lot of head coaches got fired because, again, it was the end of the season. So I was very excited for, for example, Bill O'Brien to be fired. And I was very interested to see who was going to come in and be the head coach for the Houston Texans to try and see if they can work with Deshaun Watson on his uh, on just everything offensively, right? So it kind of came to fruition that None of the candidates that I thought were going to get the head coaching gig, whether it was going to be Eric Bieniemy or Brian Leftwich, none of those guys got the gig. None of them did. It was this guy out of Baltimore. His name is David Culley. This offensive coordinator in college, never an offensive coordinator in the NFL. This obscure name nobody had heard of ever has been in the NFL for like a bajillion years. He's like one of the oldest head coaches ever. He gets the job. Had one of the worst, nope, scratch that, excuse me, the worst receiving core in the NFL. He was the Baltimore Ravens wide receiver coach. There was nothing on his resume that said, and screamed to me, head coach material, right? But then I look at what he did this season, and look, it's not... Has he permanently saved his job? No. Has he bought himself an additional two years? Yeah, maybe three, to be honest with you. The record that he had this season was four and 13, I believe. Am I right? Yep, I'm right. Some people would say, well, 24. That's really, really terrible. That sucks. My response to you is that the record reflects how terrible of a job the GM did at getting and recruiting players for the Houston Texans, how terrible of a job the owner did in hiring a GM, and how terrible the team overall managed their players. They released and or traded 
all of their best players during the middle of the season. Don't think that was David Culley's idea. I think that was Nick Casario's idea. They were on, by the end of the year, they were on their third quarterback, ladies and gentlemen. And let me just, let me just help you out here. When I mean they traded or released all of their best players, I mean they traded away and released all of their best players. Zach Cunningham, Philip Lindsay, free agents that they had signed in March are not on the football team anymore. Certain veteran players weren't even finishing, didn't even finish the season, let alone the absolute debacle that has been Deshaun Watson. I said it March. If you can trade Deshaun Watson for three first-round draft picks, trade him for three first-round draft picks. And the dope of Nick Casario, the idiot, the moron that I warned you about almost a year ago to this day, decided that's not enough. We're sticking with Deshaun Watson. Allegations come out. Bada-bing, bada-boom. The value of the asset has been devalued. Nobody wants to trade middle of the season, in the middle of the season, three first-round draft picks for a quarterback who they have no idea is going to be suspended or not. So what does David Culley do? He doesn't have his star quarterback. He doesn't have his backup because, once again, love Tyrod. Tyrod Taylor got hurt, and then the backup to the backup, and Davis Mills has to play. He won four games. Now, everybody wants to, wants to tell me this Jared Goff guy, who I have not liked whatsoever, Jared Goff, is this, you know, is this uh, guy that has gone to a Super Bowl, is a competent quarterback, is a good quarterback. People tell me he's a good quarterback. Two games, two wins, and a terrible tie. Two wins, excuse me, three wins. Three wins if you include the Packers um, game where the Packers didn't even play their starters for like a half. Three wins and a tie. Meanwhile, third quarterback for the Texans, no idea who the running back is. Their only good player is freaking Brandon Cooks. Laramie Tunsil has been kind of shaky. Their defensive line is a mess. Their linebacking core is a mess. They have no corners. They have no safeties. They have nobody on that freaking football team to play football at a high level, at an elite level. And you want to tell me, and I get this report. I get this report from the NFL Network. The NFL Network reported on January 9th. This is three days ago. I think this is Monday or Sunday, three days ago. Quote, the Texans will evaluate their entire football operation, including the future of head coach David Culley. Just like, well, how do you expect him to win when you cut and trade all of his best players? You don't give him a star quarterback. The star quarterback wants out. All of his core players want out. And apparently the reason why David Culley is on the chopping block is because he wants to keep some of the guys, some of the coaches on his football team. They want them to be fired. In my response to Nick Casario, the fucking moron, and his god-awful owner in Steve McNair, is what did you guys expect when you put in scrubs on your football team? What did you expect? What did you expect? 
So here, right, we have a dilemma. We have an issue. We have a problem. Okay? Problem is, I warned you about this a year ago. Did I or did I not warn you about this a year ago? I said something interesting. I said, and it, and it boy has it aged very well. I said, I'm just like, this seems like a fall guy hiring, right? This seems like, and I don't have the clip, but I said this a year ago. I was just like, this seems like a guy that you would hire to take the bullet for you, right? You can't hire one of your one of your boys, right? One like like Nick Casario probably wants to hire a Patriot guy, right? That's who he wants to hire. Didn't want to hire David Culley, but he couldn't hire one of his Patriot guys. It would be it'd be terrible, right? So they had to hire a fall guy. They had to fire or hire David Culley, right? They had to hire him. How to hit how to get him going, right? How to get him on the team. But when he fails, and he has failed, he's 4-12. and 12. I'm not going to say that this is a successful season. I'm just saying he's performed better than I thought. So when he fails, you get to say, you get to take him out back and you get to shoot him. And then you get to bring in the guy that you really wanted to replace him. That's kind of what it sounds like. It kind of what it looks like to me. Who's the new guy? Is it going to be Matt Patricia? Who's the guy that you're going to hire? You're seriously going to fire David Culley after a year? Who are you going to bring in? Is it going to be Brian Flores? That would be an interesting hire. Where are all of your players going to come from? Because the Houston Texans, may I remind you, don't have an offensive line. They have one wide receiver. They don't have a running game. They don't have a linebacking core. They don't have corners. They don't have any pass rushers. They don't have, and they may have like one safety. Sorry. I was looking at my television. I'm watching the Knicks versus the Mavs, and I got this alert on my television that I've never seen before. Said audio difficulties on the game, and I'm like, I've never seen that before. Anyways, long story short, point is, with David Culley and the Houston Texans, I think it's an absolute joke. I think it's terrible for the Texans to freaking be like, oh yeah, you should have performed well when we took away all of our players and you didn't have your star quarterback and you had to deal with the trades or uh, the uh, the constant loom of us trying to trade away our star quarterback. I'm like, okay. Okay. This is going to be a short podcast, by the way. I always say that, and then it never turns out to be the case. I mean it this time. This will be a, a short podcast. I started watching Euphoria today, the first episode. I was just like, I'm not going to lie to you. The first episode makes me want to watch the first episode again. It's awesome. Not the first episode of season two, the first episode of season one. I'm very excited to see the second episode. Can't wait. Recording this at a decent time. Gonna brush my teeth, get into bed, crawl into bed, watch Rue, Jules, all those fine, lovely ladies do their thing on Euphoria. I can't wait. I'm excited. Anyways, um, great, great fucking TV show. I remember somebody was like, this is the best cinematography they've seen in like 
or, or for a TV show ever. And I was just like, yeah, looks like a movie. It's awesome. Music design, everything. Scenes are well shot. The actors and actresses do a great job. I'm very excited to watch Euphoria season two. They they freaking nailed it on the casting. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm so excited. So excited. Zendaya. Mwah! Great job. Oh my god. She got an Oscar for it that she deserved. Can't wait. Sorry. Uh, I'm juiced up. Uh, goodness gracious. Let's uh, again. Short podcast. Short podcast. But I do want to cover on some other things, okay? Another article that was released by the NFL Network that I think is pretty important that we go ahead and talk about is the article detailing that Baker Mayfield will oh my God, will return with the Cleveland Browns next season. The reason why I borderline just like threw up in my mouth when I had to say that is because it's just it's ridiculous for the Browns to have him back he is going to be on his fifth and final season if you don't know that if you don't know um if you don't know he will be on the fifth and final season and not fifth and yeah he will be on the fifth and final season of his rookie deal he will not have a contract extension and um, I think it's a joke. <laughs> I'm not, like I can't, I can't wax poetically about this. I think it's a fucking joke that he's back. I think it's ridiculous. Some people are gonna tell me, well, he was hurt all year twenty. All the brother had to do was hand it off to Nick Chubb twenty times a game. Just hand it off to Big Chubb. He'll take care of you. Auto if you if you don't like the play call, go diva. Audible out of it. If he's not 100 and if he wasn't 100% healthy, take your ass out of the game. Just take I can hand off the ball 20 times or 15 times to Nick Chubb. And Kevin Stefanski as well needs to wake up because if that dude can't figure out that he has a 7 yard per rush rusher and two of the best interior guards in the NFL, two of the best interior offensive linemen, really three if you want to count the center, in the NFL, and maybe you should just run it a bunch of times with Big Chubb, I can't help you as a, uh, a fan or a GM. I can't help you if your coach is that inept. Figure it out. Miss the playoffs by like two games, and really you should have went to the playoffs to begin with. It was a joke. So many opportunities to win and go to the playoffs, including down the stretch, including against Green Bay, where even though your quarterback threw four interceptions, you still somehow lost by only three points. What a joke. If he's hurt, and if his hurtness affects his play, bench his ass and let him recover. If he's not hurt, then don't give me the... If he's not hurt enough to go out and play the sport of football at a reasonably high level, then don't give me the BS excuses that he is not capable of playing because I don't want to hear him. I don't want to hear him. So yes, um, Baker is back for fifth year. 
in Cleveland. Why? Because he's a number one overall pick and people would rather be right than to be wrong about a number one. I'm wrong about him. I thought he was going to be like a good quarterback in the NFL. I thought he was, let me put it to you like this. I didn't know if he was going to be a Hall of Famer. That I feel like is impossible to predict. It's like literally like um, trying to guess which star in the universe is, you know, just by eyesight. It's just like trying to guess if like there's a planet with life on it based upon the star, based upon one star that you're going to pick out without like a telescope or any prior knowledge of the galaxy or solar system that that star is in. I'm sorry, I'm not an astronomer. I don't know. We haven't found any life on any other planets yet. So it's a pretty safe bet to say no. But you you get my analogy. It's hard. It's hard, man, to guess on some of these quarterbacks, on some of these players. We don't know who's going to be a Hall of Famer. We don't. I don't. I will never claim to know that a kid will be a Hall of Famer when he's 20 years old or 21 coming out of college. That's ridiculous. Just like he hasn't played against any NFL talent yet. And most importantly, he hasn't played four years against any NFL talent. That's the ticket. That's the big difference. It's just like, it's easy to play once or twice or 17 games against NFL talent without them knowing who you are and what you do well and what you suck at. And then it's another thing completely to be five years in the league or six or seven or eight or 10 years in the league and teams still can't find ways to stop you. That's kind of like, I wouldn't say that's like one of the, I wouldn't say that that's being a Hall of Famer. I would just say that that's being a great player. Just saying. But, um, I just, I I don't get it with Baker Mayfield. Halftime. Potentially to go get Russell Wilson or Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers. God, God help you if the Steelers get a quarterback. I keep, I feel like I'm in that Olivia Rodrigo song. I feel like I'm in that Olivia Rodrigo song called Deja Vu. Because I feel like I'm reliving 2017 all over again where oh my god I mean I can pull up the clip of Molly can I find the clip of Molly Karam where she's just where she essentially parrots what all of these um what all of these analysts said back in 2017 where all of those analysts said well this draft it's not a very loaded uh draft it doesn't have any players in it any quarterbacks in it and in the 2017 draft if you don't know the draft that I'm referencing uh, that draft had Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes in it. Let me try and find it here. Molly Karam. If I can't find it, it doesn't matter. What? What is this? What is this? Hold on. Give me like two seconds. Oh my God. This is when like first take did that really, really stupid segment where it was first take final take. God. 
Hold on. Hold on. Okay. She's talking about Tyreek Hill's domestic violence charges, and I'm just like, okay. I thought she was going to talk about... <clears throat> I thought she was going to talk about... Uh, what was it? Freaking the draft, and then I just get this face full of Tyreek Hill allegations. Hold on. Hold on. Oh my god. She's talking about something. Oh my god. Should I even comment about this? Should I waste any time on this? I will. I will waste time on this. Okay? But first, let me address the um the deja vu thing, right? I'm and and this uh, again circles back and goes back to what I was talking about earlier where I feel like this draft has two really, really awesome quarterbacks that people are underestimating and people haven't really watched at all because they're from two obscure schools that nobody has games for. So they're just going to be like, oh, I'm just going to come to these really, really terrible conclusions about Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett and go ahead and just essentially say they're bad quarterbacks, even though I got a cough. <coughs> Hold on. <coughs> Excuse me. Even though I haven't watched them at all. That's what everybody else is saying. They're like, we'll come to these stupid conclusions even though we haven't seen any of these players play. So here we are. Where you have people saying this draft is a weak quarterback draft and I see two really, really awesome quarterbacks in it. I see Kenny Pickett. I see Malik Willis in it. Just like how they said in 2017. Not saying that Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis are going to be Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. I'm just saying, hey, uh, there's two really, really strong quarterbacks in this year's draft, and I feel like people are underestimating it and are saying stupid, stupid things about this draft. That's it. I have no idea where I was going with that. <clears throat> I still can't believe Taylor Bashadi is related to an NFL owner in some ways it kind of makes sense I'm not gonna lie but uh, regardless she still does a great job regardless anyways let me freaking hold on hold on wait two Like, for some weird reason, Justin Fields, <clears throat> or just the the word Fields is trending, trending on Twitter right now. And then it's just like, Trent Williams is also trending as well. He's probably not going to play against the Cowboys on Sunday. Even though he he's apparently, like, apparently Trent Williams is not going, apparently... Hold on, let me back up. Trent Williams has not practiced this week, right? If you don't know how uh, practice schedules and weeks and things of that nature work, essentially, 
if you're not practicing by like Thursday, it's not a good sign. So this is around the time Wednesday is the day that teams get back and they practice for the first day of the regular season of the week, right? Not of the regular season, but of the week, right? Wednesday's the day, right? Thursday and Friday are when you really need to actually practice as a player, okay? If you're not practicing by like Thursday, that's not a great sign for you being ready by Friday. That's kind of the reality of the situation. What the fuck am I watching? <laughs> I'm, I, I got a comment about this. I'm watching this fucking, like, this, what is it? This TV commercial for this terrible, for this terrible, like, ex- exercise bubble or yoga ball. Or actually, it's this chair that you're supposed to exercise on. I saw somebody do flutter kicks. I saw somebody, like, do, um, do just regular old crunches. And I was just like, dude, you can do all of that, but, like, 20 times harder. It's just like, this is the worst thing that you can possibly use. Nobody in a gym uses this. And then the ad is like, this is real people. Not like, this This is real people, not actors, trying out this stupid device. Like, just do regular flutter kicks and crunches. This, I don't get it. Anyways. Sorry, Trent Williams hasn't practiced all week. If he doesn't practice by tomorrow and or Friday, he's probably not going to play. Even though uh, somebody said that, like, I, I mean, this isn't the 49ers original, not original, but official account, right? No, this isn't it. So, like, a fan account, it looks like, tweeted out that Trent Williams intends to play against the Cowboys, even though there's nothing about that at all anywhere. Oh, no, never mind. Like, apparently, there's some people that are tweeting that out that's kind of legitimate. Yeah, I'm, I'm now seeing it. Okay, never mind. The fan account was right. Long and the short of it is, is that if he doesn't practice by, like, tomorrow or Friday, he probably won't play, or he'll be in a really, really bad spot to play. We'll just kind of keep it at that. All right, what was I talking about before I... Okay, I'll admit it. Taylor Bashad is super, super hot, okay? I get really distracted by Taylor Bashad, okay? All right? I'll just say it. I'll say it. I get really distracted sometimes by Taylor Bashad, okay? Really, really distracted. She is incredibly attractive. She causes me sometimes to lose my train of thought. I apologize. Regardless, um... Doug Peterson, I was actually looking at something earlier today where Doug Peterson, he interviewed with the Jacksonville Jaguars, then he interviewed with the Bears today, and things of that nature. I'm like reading stuff as I'm talking, so my brain my brain is very, very weak. I cannot read new information and talk about different things. It's like literally being pulled in two different directions cognitively wise, but apparently Doug Peterson has interviewed with two teams. Doug Peterson, the former Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl winning head coach, the only Super Bowl winning head coach, and a guy now on the street, Doug Peterson. He's now just trying to find 
a a house, a job uh, for him to coach in. And he interviewed with two really, really awesome spots. One significantly better than the other, but two flawed places and things of that nature. And he has not been hired yet. And I am kind of happy because I do not have him anywhere near uh, on my uh, anywhere near the top of my list of players or not players, but coaches that should be freaking hired, at least in my opinion. I have some, I have like one more thing that I have to talk about here today. One more thing. And really that is uh, the Giants, right? We'll end on the Giants. And so the Giants today, oof, that was bad. My voice is just like shot. The Giants today, they had this press conference with John Mara, right? On this press conference, John Mara called up a bunch of the New York media and the New York press, and he had a a little powwow with them. Powwow was, hey guys, um, we sucked for the last couple of years, and I've kind of been the root cause of it. I thought it was pretty interesting. I thought it was interesting enough to even like, you know, have a nice little episode about it. Not an episode, but to talk about it at the very least. I'm like, why not? Why not? I got some clips for you today. Hold on. I got a cough. (coughs) (coughs) Excuse me. Oh my God. My voice is like shot today. Oh wow. It kind of is. Hold on. Oh my God. That really just destroyed my throat. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Like that, that cough actually hurt my throat. Where is the Giants clip? Here we go. So once again, John Mara had a conversation and I thought that it was very, very interesting, the conversation that he had with the New York media. <clears throat> conversation. Really, the clip of the day starts off with this, where somebody asks him a question about whether or not he thinks that this is like the lowest that the franchise that the organization has ever been in. Let's kind of listen in. Hey, John, curious, is this your lowest moment in your association with the Giants? I mean, is this, is this as embarrassed as you've been about the franchise? Honestly, I would have to say yes. Yes, it is. Um, I kept thinking during the season that uh, we had hit rock bottom and then each week it got a little worse. So, uh, honestly, I, I'm not proud of saying this, but if I'm going to be 100% honest, I would have to say the answer is yes. So, <clears throat> he admits, yeah, um, this is the worst we have ever been under my tenureship, my tenureship, excuse me, as the owner of the New York Giants. Let me tell you something right now. Uh, you'll never hear that ever from an owner, ever. 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 Okay? This is the third time in a row after two seasons a Giants head coach has had to be fired. 
It started with Ben McAdoo, the wackadoo, as Michael Rappaport called him. Then it extended on to Pat Shermer. Then it has now continued with Joe Judge. The interesting thing about Joe Judge's firing, as it happened, I believe, yesterday on Tuesday, the interesting thing is that usually with Black Monday, within the next two weeks, you have head coaches really be fired and then hired, right? So right now, they're going through, they're trying to interview. There's a lot of dudes that are trying to be interviewed. A lot of the key candidates are in the playoffs right now. So teams are like, well, we can't, some guys are like, I don't want to interview because I'm focused, I'm singularly focused on playoffs. I can't interview on Sunday or or Saturday because we got a playoff game. I can't spend an hour and two hours talking to you. Like, Kellen Moore is one of the more sought-after head coaching candidates in the um, in the <clears throat> in the pool right now, but people are like, or not people, but he's just like, bro, I can't spend two hours talking to you when I have to spend you know this amount of time studying the 49ers and trying to figure out strengths and weaknesses of the football team. That's what teams are focused on, or guys that are up for these head coaching candidate jobs. And I always said, I said it yesterday. I was like, listen, man. There's three candidates that I would strongly consider that the that these are these three strongest candidates. Eric Bieniemy, Kellen Moore, Brian Leftwich. Eric Bieniemy, Kansas City offensive coordinator, Brian Leftwich, the OC for the Bucks, and then Kellen Moore, the OC for the Cowboys. Beyond those, if like if those three don't get hired first, we have problems. We have a lot of problems. Okay? People want to talk to me about Nathaniel Hackett. Packers offensive coordinator, I think the Packers offense doesn't function without Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. See what happens if both those guys get gone. Guarantee you, the offense doesn't look as good as it used to. Same thing with, for some weird reason, Matt Eberflus is constantly being, you know, worked into head coaching candidacy. And I'm just like, hey, great defensive coordinator, wouldn't hire a defensive coordinator as my head coach unless he understood the concept of the quarterback. And his plan for the quarterback and for the offense, especially because all six of these teams, potentially seven of these teams, if Houston fires David Culley, I mean, I know there's going to be, I know there's seven teams right now that don't have head coaches because the Raiders, they have an interim coach, but I don't count the Raiders right now because the Raiders, you know, um, uh, Rich Basachi is coaching a playoff game. We'll see what happens with the Raiders going forward from here. But if your football team, if the guy that you're bringing in doesn't understand quarterbacks, I don't want him. And usually DCs, they don't. Truthfully. Long and the short of it is, some of these guys, you know, that are that are going to get hired, and in fact, the three guys that probably should be hired during this cycle, Kellen, Brian, Eric, they're the three best candidates, and I see question marks kind of everywhere else. So if you're the Giants, get to freaking work among other NFL teams. And maybe uh, maybe hire one of the other uh, guys that's kind of hanging around pretty quickly. Just, uh, just saying. Apparently, Kellen interviewed with the Jags on Thursday of last week for two hours. I'm like, okay. Okay. Anyways, um, let's go back to the start of the interview, right? 
This is, I think, one of the first questions that he was asked and then answered, right? He was asked essentially, I don't know what he was asked about, but he talked about the evaluation process previously and then asked kind of like the consideration that he had had with head coaching candidates and things of that nature. Let's listen to John Mara. A, a complete process here, interview as many people as possible. I don't want to rush into anything. We've made that mistake in the past, and I want to make sure we get to... Hold on, let me rewind that just a little bit. Ideally done first, and obviously we'll talk about um, the candidates uh, for head coach, but uh, there's, it's not going to be a package deal. I want to go through a, uh, a, a complete process here, interview as many people as possible. I don't want to rush into anything. We've made that mistake in the past, and I want to make sure we get to see as many candidates uh, as possible, ideally. So... He wants to see as many candidates ideally. He wants to see as many as he possibly can. You know, it's funny, right? Because we talk about all, we t I talk about it all the time. I talk about all of these candidates, right? That for some weird reason, get hired. I talk about Dan Campbell. I talk about Arthur Smith. I talk about Matt Rule. I talk about guys that I'm just like, why did they just get hired? And you kind of now, John Mara kind of like gave us, you know, the illumination behind the curtain. He kind of just showed us something that you don't really get to see and not a lot of people say. He said something interesting. He said, we kind of went through, you know, our, our evaluation process pretty quickly. We went through it quickly, and we're not going to make that same mistake again. And it's something similar to what happened with a lot of these owners. They fall in love with these random-ass people. They fall in love with one fucking interview. Have you ever gone to a job and gotten the job in one interview at a college? Have you ever gone to college, stayed four years, gone and interviewed for a job, and then gotten the job off the interview, the first one? There's usually like a follow-up. I don't know. It's just weird to me. Right? But they're willing, because they're bad owners, some of these owners, they're just like, yeah, no, no follow-up interview. We'll just um, just hire you on the spot. Hey, congratulations. You're the new head coach of the Detroit Lions. One interview. We'll hire you, Joe Judge. We won't do any background checks. We won't break the, you know, it's not like you won't break the stigma of being a, a uh, Patriot assistant coach that, has a bunch of stories come out in the following days, excuse me, day of him, of him being fired, of like how people were running thin on Joe Judge, everything was difficult with Joe Judge, Joe Judge lied about a lot of stuff. No, let's just hire Joe Judge randomly, that's what John Maris said a couple of years ago, literally, second year, technically a year ago, right, he was hired what, last year? Yeah, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, last year. Mm, mm, mm. <sighs> Continuing forward with the, we're not going to rush into head coach evaluations. Art Stapleton, the record. 
John, do you feel like you guys have made bad choices and you've identified wrong candidates, or in some ways is this a failure of your process that you've gone through? It's probably um, probably all of the above, Art. I mean, uh, we haven't necessarily made the right choices. Um, I think um, looking back on our process, I wish it had been a little more extensive that we had seen more people um, and uh, maybe taken our time a little bit more with it. And uh, we're going to try not to make that mistake this time. So again, essentially reiterating what he just said, right? Uh, maybe we shouldn't have hired a jackass off of one interview, right? So final thing I'll play for you today in this interview. I thought this was very interesting. So I talk about <clears throat> the owner of the Los Angeles Lakers, right? Jeannie Buss, probably one of the best owners of all time. Jeannie Buss, excellent owner, royalty. Her family is royalty in football, not in football, but in basketball, in professional sports. And she is kind of the heiress of that royalty, of that, um, of that freaking, of that, of the family fortune, right? Of the Lakers. Dr. Buss, the original, maybe not the original, but the, um, the main arbiter of the Lakers' success for really like, what was it, 40 to 50 years? You know, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the 80s. And then Kobe and Shaq in the 90s and then the early 2000s. And then she actually, with the help of Magic Johnson, ironically enough, orchestrated the success of the Los Angeles Lakers in the 2020 season with getting LeBron James and Anthony Davis and winning their first championship in like 10 years. Really, really awesome owner. But the interesting thing about Jeannie Buss is that Jeannie had to do something that not a lot of people expected. Jeannie had to fire her, I believe, older brother. And by fire him, I don't mean, you know, oh, you know, she she had to put him in a lower seating of management. No, she freaking pulled out the blicky and popped his ass in his face. Murdered him. Put his ass six feet underneath Staples Center, now Cryptocurrency Center, not a big fan of the name, but put his ass six feet under Staples Center and Staples Arena and made her bones off of hiring Magic Johnson, getting LeBron James, and she's a fucking champ now. She won. She did it. One of the greatest owners in modern day, Jeannie Buss, right? But her ascension started with her firing her fucking brother. And do you want to know why she did it? Do you want to know why? Because her older brother had ran the Lakers into the fucking ground. The Lakers, for like almost 10 years, were an absolute joke, okay? She didn't do it out of spite, out of pure control, the brother, her older brother said, hey, if we don't freaking get to the playoffs at this point in time, I will resign. And he did not. So do you want to know what she did? She freaking did what nobody had the courage, had the fortitude, had the integrity to do. She removed his ass from the equation. Because she 
recognized that it's not about him. It's not about her. It's not even, shockingly enough, about their family, which is as tied to the Lakers as almost anyone else. It's about the team. It's about the fans. It's about the success of the fucking team. So she popped his ass and put his ass six feet under. She didn't even hire a hitman. She did it herself. And again, history has been made. The Lakers 2020 are champions. She fucking did it. She did what her older brother couldn't do. And in record time, I might add. Lakers are back to being a semi-relevant team. Now, we can have a conversation about them being relevant right now with LeBron James being older and uh, Russell Westbrook being not very good and Anthony Davis not being good. But fuck it, man. People would murder for a championship. And she did it. She fucking did it. Some owners scratch that. A lot of owners don't have the integrity that she had to do what she did. Okay? Including one John Mara. Remember what I said a day ago? Literally, it was yesterday. Don't even have to look far for it. Said it yesterday. I, I prefaced the podcast and I started the podcast with... If your owner doesn't get out of their own way, and I started the monologue with Jerry Jones and how he didn't get out of his way until he hired Mike McCarthy and Robert Kraft, who immediately got out of the way and let Bill Belichick run the show 20 years later, six-time Super Bowl champion. But if your head coach, excuse me, your owner doesn't get out of their own way, they will impede the success of the football team. Especially when it comes to other family members in the organization. Let's listen to John Mara address why some of his own family members who've been with the team for an extended period of time were not fired with with Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge. Let's listen in. Let's listen in. Hey, Doug, the athletic. Hey, John, you know, as a reference, you fired a lot of people over the last couple of years. Um, but what do you say to the fact that your brother is still senior vice president of player personnel? your nephew's co-director of player personnel, and there's a perception that there isn't really accountability for family members who have had prominent roles during this stretch. Well, that perception uh, has been created by you and others, and the reality is that um, in terms of my brother, my brother spends most of his time doing evaluation of college players. His pause it, pause it, pause it. He does evaluations of college players. Let's look at that, shall we? You know, it's funny. People think we just... I remember Paul Pierce said something dumb today. He said, you know what? (laughs) We schooled LeBron James. Everybody's afraid to play up against LeBron. And then somebody posted this two-minute clip of LeBron destroying him in the regular season with Cleveland, with the Heat. Just LeBron James essentially for two minutes putting his nuts in Paul Pierce's face. Paul Pierce is just incredibly butthurt. We have the clips. We have the... You know, the internet exists. Let's look at some of these high-quality picks, right? Let's go to, like, you know, let's look at this year, right? Kadarius, Tony, Aziz, Ojolari, love those guys. Year before that, Andrew Thomas, he's starting to look like a bust. 
Xavier McKinney, they don't know how to utilize him. Matt Peart, what? Darnay Holmes, yuck. Fourth round. 2019, Daniel Jones, Dexter Lawrence, DeAndre Baker. Essentially, all of them are busts. All of them. Those are three first-round draft picks, by the way, in the 2019 draft. 2018, Saquon Barkley, Will Hernandez, Lorenzo Carter. Bust in Lorenzo Carter. Almost a bust in Will Will Hernandez. He's like a bad guard. And then Saquon really hasn't played at all for the most part in his NFL career. He has eight touchdowns, by the way. Eight. I think Ezekiel Elliott had like 10. Didn't Zeke have like 15? How many touchdowns did Ezekiel Elliott have? Why am I guessing? I can just Google it. How many touchdowns did he have? He had 10. My bad. He had 10. Ezekiel Elliott had 10. Ezekiel Elliott had more touchdowns this year than Saquon does in his entire career. Bust. Okay? Evan Ingram, the year before that, Dalvin Tomlinson, they got one of the better defensive tackles in the league. They didn't re-sign him. Eli Apple, bust. Sterling Shepard, good player. Darian Thompson is a cowboy now. Like, he's a he's a special teams player for the Dallas Cowboys. Eric Flowers, 2015. Bust. Landon Collins. He's a cow, not a cowboy. He's a Washington player. So, and, and then, I mean, the year before that, 2014, going all the way back then, Odell Beckham Jr. They signed and then traded him. Joke. Point being, that's the resume of his brother. Three first round draft picks, three busts. I've never seen. I mean, historically speaking, that should be in the halls of. GM hood like that's one of the like if if we if we had a class on how to be a GM that would be one of the lessons on what to do to avoid probably getting fired but because the dude's name is on the building he won't get fired but every other GM can't have three first round draft picks that all end in essentially bust like that's I mean I don't even know how that's physically possible but the Giants found a way John Mayer's brother found a way let's continue forward to go into by the sl- way what the fuck do the maras know about evaluating players i just gotta say that like what do you know about evaluating players you guys are businessmen why do you what do you know about sitting down watching tape what do you know i probably know mo continuing forward and he participates in the draft um all personnel decisions in this building and this has always been the case, have been made by the general manager and the head coach. When they agree on a personnel decision, they come to me with it. And as long as they're both in agreement, I okay it. The only times I... I okay it. I okay it. See, this is the problem, right? It's funny how he's just like, all of the player personnel decisions run through our GM and head coach. But if they, you know, as long as they agree, but if they agree, I have to okay it. I okay it. That's the problem. That's the meddling that I talked about yesterday. Did I or did I not talk about meddling? And if owners meddle, forget it. Your team's going to be useless. Giant fans, forget it. He said it himself. I'll rewind it. He said, as long as I okay it, we're moving ahead with the plan. Let's listen in. They come to me with it. And as long as they're both in agreement, I okay it. I okay it. I okay it. As long as they're in agreement, I okay it. I okay it. 
Not, oh, as long as they're agreement, we can move on with the situation. But as long as they agree with it or in agreement, I have to okay it. Or I okay it. I don't want to misquote him. Instead of just being like, yeah, you this is this is your job. You guys do your job and I'll stay in the I'll stay in the shadows. But I have to okay it as long as you guys agree with it. Okay. Okay. Continuing forward. Times I I would possibly not do that as if there was an off the field conduct issue. So uh, Chris is a very skilled evaluator, but he does not have any authority here other than the fact that I will go to him on occasion and ask him about players. So he doesn't have any authority. This is the brother that's not the GM, but also does uh, scouting for the team. He's just like, you know what? As long, I'll go to him, but also, you know, he's not involved in the um, the GMing of the team. He's not involved in the player selection of the team, but sometimes I do go to him for evaluations of players. What? Tim is probably the most respected guy we have in this building. Coaches he's also one of the most respected guys on the building. You know, I mean, it's just because he's just such an awesome evaluator, guys. I mean, he's just so awesome. He's such an awesome evaluator. You know, could you imagine being a really, really hot girl and being like, everybody likes me because I have a really, really awesome personality. Could you imagine saying something as stupid as that? Could you imagine being like, I'm hot and everybody likes me because I'm a good person. It's just like, did you dye your hair blonde too? Like, what is wrong with you? Ironically enough, John Mayer's hair is actually blonde. Let's continue for Waiter, but he does not have any authority here other than the fact that I will go to him on occasion and ask him about players. Tim is probably the most respected guy we have in this building. Coaches, uh, front office staff, uh, the general manager go to him, ask his advice on players because he is. A so good he does have in. I mean, I'm just reinforcing this over and over and over. He does have influence within the football team. Because if players and coaches and GMs go to him, don't you think that's influential? Don't you think that could potentially influence the selection of some of the players that are on your very team this moment? Evaluator. He's worked his way up from the bottom and he's earned He's his worked his way up. Billionaire kid worked his way up. He does not have any authority here. No the authority, but everybody goes to him for recommendations on which players to draft. All decisions have always been made and will always be made. Except I have to give them the okay as long as they agree with each other. ...manager and the head coach. If they agree on, on a draft... Shouldn't the GM be in charge of players and personnel? That's just another thing that I wanted to talk about, right? I think somebody said it may have been John Mara or who was it? Or the Houston Texans or somebody. Some owner was just like, you know what? Oh, no, it was the Raiders! owner who is just like you know what guys Mike Mayock and John Gruden they have 50 50 percent control over the draft or technically they had 51 percent in favor of the GM 50 49 percent in favor of the head coach and it's just like true it should be a collaboration but bro at the end of the day it should be on the GM to select the players not the coach. And more specifically, not the coaches. I hate it when coaches are in the room and they 
are saying in their ass like hey should we get this guy it's just like you this this assistant coach probably hasn't watched a lot of college football just that simple they've probably watched a lot more nfl in one year than they've watched college football in 10 years let's just be honest i'm not i'm not a fan of asking coaches for their opinion on players in scouting in the draft but hey apparently people are apparently the mars do they love it. They love it. John Gruden, not John Gruden, John Mara loves it. How is your, how do, why do your coach and your GM have to be in agreement? Your GM is your GM. He's your general manager. Coach is the coach. That doesn't make any sense. On a UFA, uh, then I'm going to okay it 99.99% of the time. Uh, the only time I will raise an issue about it is if there is a conduct issue. I'll question them about it. I'll make them defend their positions and I'll make sure that they're on the same page. But at the end of the day, if they're in agreement, then that's the decision we're going with. But And again, start of the question, and I didn't do a great job at explaining. Why isn't your GM in charge of the players? This isn't college. The coach should have an influential say, but he shouldn't it shouldn't come down to, well, they should agree. It's just they're not going to agree on everything. That's ridiculous. That's why you hire a GM and why you hire a head coach. Head coach plays the players. GM gets the players. What? Let's finish off. I am done, Oh, no, that is the end. <laughs> I'm like, let's finish off with whatever he's going to say. And then it's just, no, that is it. God. Giants are in... Trouble. Luckily, I'm not going to be here for it. Well, technically I am, but I mean, luckily I'm not a fan of the Giants because, yikes, does their football team look like a blithering mess. Tomorrow, we're going to go over the final game day predictions for the weekend. We're going to have a really, really awesome day, and then that'll be it for... This week's podcast, cannot wait to get into it with you. And um, we're going to have a lot of fun tomorrow. All right, I'm peacing out. 24th podcast.